0: Welcome back to Horse Talk with Doc Yardley, episode three. Thanks for joining. I'm an associate professor at The Ohio State University. I'd like to say that these are my views expressed in the podcast and not endorsed by The Ohio State School of Veterinary Medicine. Uh, today's episode will be preventative health care, um, which is a timely topic as uh, spring is here. Our preventative health care case numbers have been going up. So, what So what is preventive health care preventive health care would be like if you go to your doctor once or twice a year, they do a physical exam, they look at your blood work, and they kind of make sure that uh, you know, all your organ systems are working okay in your physical exam, everything um, uh, appears normal, no uh, heart murmurs, no uh, increased lung sounds. So that's the same that we do on the horse. Uh, with the horse, we, the physical exam is probably one of the most important elements. So before any horse is vaccinated in our practice, it gets a full physical exam. We listen to the horse's heart, lung sounds, GI tract, look at its mucous membranes, uh, and take its temperature. So we have to make sure the horse is healthy. And if the owners have any concern over this time period, we will also address those concerns at this time, we take a quick look at their eyes to make sure they don't have uveitis or cataract formation, which is very rare in the horse. But uveitis can be common, especially in Appaloosas. So the vaccines that we recommend are Eastern Equine Encephalitis. Western equine encephalitis and West Nile virus. Those are viruses that are passed by the mosquito. We also recommend tetanus, which is a bacteria that's found in the soil. Horses are the most sensitive species to tetanus. So which is why they have to be vaccinated once a year, most likely because they're herbivores that they are sensitive to tetanus. Most of our carnivores such as dogs are not very sensitive to tetanus and in humans, You remember getting vaccinated for tetanus about every 10 years or so. The horse we vaccinate every year, although there is some data that shows that the vaccine could last for more than one year, although we don't have any clinical trials backing up that data. Also, the rabies vaccine, we do vaccinate the horse every year for rabies. We do vaccinate dogs and cats every three years for rabies. Again, there's been no clinical trials or no experimental trials to determine how long one rabies vaccine lasts in the horse. So unfortunately, we are vac- vaccinating horses every year. In the United States overall, only 34% of horses are vaccinated by a veterinarian. And that can be important, I think, of course, I'm a veterinarian, so I am be unbiased, but when you have a veterinarian vaccinate your horse, we or the ph- pharmaceutical company will back up their vaccine for some of them. And if the horse becomes sick with West Nile or Eastern Equine Encephalitis, so they have a breakthrough infection, then the company will pay for all diagnostics related to that infection and sometimes treatment. So it's kind of like a small insurance policy for your horse and you get to meet amazing veterinarians that do amazing physical exams on your animals to make sure they're doing healthy, doing well. Some other vaccines that we recommend in a large boarding facility will be uh, an influenza vaccine and a herpes vaccine or pneumonitis vaccine. The influenza vaccine should be boosted every six months along with the rhino portion of the herpes would be every six months. Also, this helps prevent uh, upper respiratory tract infections in the horse. Another large uh, vaccine that is highly recommended in central Ohio and something that um, we will have a podcast on later is going to be botulism. Botulism is a bacteria anaerobic bacteria found in the soil that horses uh, can get through wounds or most likely through ingestion of bad hay. Uh, And they will get very sick. It is a very fatal disease uh, in the horse. And some people do vaccinate for strangles. Also, the strangles vaccine will not prevent disease. It will only mitigate some of the clinical signs. I am personally not a big believer in the strangles vaccine, as it does have some um, sequela or has some uh, side effects associated with the vaccine. So, yeah. Anyway, so... What is important also will be a Coggins test. So a lot of times you need a Coggins test if you're gonna take the horse off the property um, and to go to a horse show. So what what is the Coggins test testing for? It is testing for equine infectious anemia, which is a retrovirus. So it's like the human uh, AIDS virus as a retrovirus. So of course there's no vaccine for it. Um, in the United States in 2020, there was 1.3 million horses that were had a Coggins test performed, and there were 29 positives. So not a very high incidence of disease, but that being said, it is fatal. And if your horse does get it and becomes a carrier, then the horse has to be quarantined for the rest of its life. How do horses get equine infectious anemia? through blood-borne uh, bites from uh, deer flies or horse flies, so big biting insects. Also, uh, if you were someone that liked to share needles with other horses and gave some drugs, IV, and you shared your um, IV needles with other horses, which should never be done, This that I don't know why you would do that. Just buy another needle if you're giving your horse uh, injections For and we probably should talk about what you're giving the horse the injections of to be, let's be safe here. Uh, but please use a new needle if you are doing that. Are there any side effects of these vaccines? Not really. Um, a lot of times people uh, will, the horse will complain that the horse's neck is sore uh, and that is uh, not a side effect, I would say. I would say that's a normal reaction um, that means the immune system is working and it is becoming a good response so some sore necks uh, would be expected just like when you get your tetanus shot at least I know from my personal experience my arm becomes very sore for at least a day or two it's you know usually pretty bad uh, just with the tetanus shot alone so now uh, just to be aware that is that can be uh, consequence or sequela of it I uh, uh, Anaphylactic reactions uh, do occur very, very rarely. Um, So uh, we do carry medications in case a horse has anaphylactic reaction, but um, it is very rare um, in the literature and in my personal experiences. Another important thing to do for preventative healthcare will be to do a fecal egg count. So we'll grab some fresh poop from your horse. We'll take it back to our laboratory uh, in the laboratory, we'll look at it under the microscope and we'll see how many eggs are in the feces. So eggs are being passed in the feces by adult worms inside the horse. Low levels of adult worms inside the horse is perfectly normal. It's healthy. We would prefer that. So we have new criteria now for how we're going to use our deworming agents when we have cutoffs, which is why the fecal egg count is so important. So if your horse has less than 200 eggs per gram, then they should only be dewormed twice a year. If they have more, if they have 200 to 500, then they should be dewormed three times a year. And if they have 500 and above, they should be dewormed four times a year. If we see tapeworms uh, on the fecal egg count, then we need to deworm with a different medication than what you would use to kill just strongyle. So, Fuel egg counts are very important to classify horses as to what kind of shedding they have. And we know that shedding stays pretty um, pretty consistent over time, except when the horse ages. And when the horse ages, their immune system decreases in function, uh, and they might more, be more likely to have become a high shedder. Some other tests that we like to perform on the farm for our middle-aged horses would be uh, a test to screen for Cushing's disease, or what we call uh, PPID, and that will be a simple blood draw. We'll measure its ACTH level. ACTH is a hormone made by the pituitary gland in the horse, and that will be elevated in Cushing's disease. Uh, 30% of horses over the age of 20 have Cushing's disease. We can uh, simply treat this disease um with uh, one pill a day of pergolide or percent. Clinical signs are they have this very hairy curly hair coat, they could have increased uh, fatty deposits, laminitis, sway back, decrease of uh, apaxial muscles, uh, increase uh, infections, lots of different things can look and be like Cushing's disease. So we do like to screen for the disease um, because we can make these horses uh, happier and healthier. At the same time of uh, doing our Cushing's test, we will also do an insulin test. Uh, The insulin test is gonna screen for insulin resistance. Uh, So any horse that looks a little overweight, it's always good to screen for insulin resistance. So we can get the horse uh, on the appropriate medications and or diet. Um, Insulin resistance leads to laminitis, at least in the laboratory setting and and most likely um, in in the real world. Um, But we know that high insulin levels will cause laminitis. So horses that are overweight this time of year going out on green lush pastures, um, they are at very high risk for laminitis. So we would like to uh, determine the horse's insulin levels prior to them going out into these lush green fields so we can maybe put a grazing muzzle on them or prescribe some medications to help decrease their insulin levels. The last thing we can do or would be a dental exam um, with sedation and oral speculum. Uh, there's no way to look inside a horse's mouth without a speculum and without sedation. I know there are lots of lay dentists in the area that are um, doing uh, dental exams even though they're not veterinarians or licensed veterinarians and there are also people that are doing dental exams without a speculum so there's no way they're visually looking at all the teeth in the horse's mouth and knowing if there are fractures or cavities or diastomas. horses can have a lot of pathology in their mouths so it's very important that they have a dental exam performed once a year with the speculum uh, and if there are some long points on their teeth, sharp points, then we will perform a dental float. Uh, the other thing uh, would be blood work-wise for our kind of um, preventative health care exam would be a vitamin E level for horses that are underweight. I think that would be very important. Um, some of the easy causes of Poor muscling can be uh, low vitamin E or it can kind of go hand in hand. So it's probably good to supplement with vitamin E if they have uh, low vitamin E. So this is a short podcast. We have been busy this week, like I said, in the clinic. And uh, we were finishing up a grant uh, proposal that had to be submitted this week. So I apologize for not being as long as as, as usual. Um, just one last thing uh, will be... Once you have an established relationship with your healthcare provider, so your veterinarian for your horse, and you perform preventative healthcare, that will allow that will most likely mean that your veterinarian will provide emergency care for your horse. Uh, more and more, because there are less and less equine veterinarians um, in the United States. About two to three percent of uh, veterinarians now are becoming equine vets. And, the, and once they become equine vets, 50% of those veterinarians leave practice after five years. So there's very few of us left, and to uh, keep our sanity and not to burn ourselves out, uh, a lot of practices now will only offer emergency services for clients and horses that prescribe to preventative healthcare that is provided by our clinic. Why is that? Well, we know who our clients are. We know these animals and we can provide better service for them. Um, And we feel like it's our duty to provide care for the clients, for these animals that we take care of on a monthly or yearly basis. So just something to think about if you are vaccinating your horse yourself um, and you don't have a veterinarian, um, when you do get in a bind, um, I know it is becoming more and more difficult even in Central Ohio uh, to have a veterinarian service your farm. So just a little FYI for people that are listening. Um, Kate M. wrote to me and asked to, to talk about equine ulcers. That's totally on the agenda. I'm going to bring Dr. Katie Timko in. Uh, we'll discuss uh, gastric ulcers and maybe quote-unquote hindgut ulcers, which also would be known as right dorsal colitis, um, and then we're working. Um, Dr. Timkel and I are working on a three-part series, most likely, at least a two-part series on equine, on e- EPM. So equine protozoal myelitis. Um, how to diagnose EPM? How to treat EPM? And what is EPM? And why is it overdiagnosed? So those will be kind of our, our topics going forward. Again, if you guys have suggestions, feedback for this podcast, please write to me on Facebook. At, uh, I'm Doc Yardley on Facebook, or you can um, Doc Yardley at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope you were able to share this podcast with your friends and help demystify veterinary medicine. Thank you.